Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast, Your Expert Advantage, a higher level of management consulting. This podcast is produced by the Canadian Association of Management Consultants, CMC Canada. My name is James Grieve, and I'm a certified management consultant based in British Columbia. As we mentioned in our last episode, and our hope over the coming weeks and months with this podcast is to provide management consultants with great thought leadership, case studies, and actionable information in a conversational format that they'll be able to take back to the office and implement. This is also a great learning experience for people who are aspiring to become consultants, our consultants' clients, or the business community at large. Part of what we're doing today is telling some great stories from those who've earned their certified management consultant designation and to show you the value of CMC, the consulting profession's only international certification recognized in over 40 countries. This episode, we're focused on the challenge of creating a great customer experience. We'll explore how management consultants can support their clients in creating a positive customer experience and what that implementation looks like. Today, we have the pleasure of being joined by Tim Kiss, the Certified Management Consultant based in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Tim is a fellow of Certified Management Consultants and FCMC with more than 15 years of consulting and two decades of experience in various marketing sales leadership positions, where he's led teams, launched products and services, and suffered corporate bumps and bruises along the way. He's learned a lot of valuable lessons as well, and he'll be sharing those with us today. His company, TK3 Consulting, was established in 2012 with a focus on performance improvement that is gained through a better understanding of customers and competitors, and in ways that ensure employees are aligned to deliver what is necessary to keep and find customers. Tim joins us now. Welcome, Tim. Thanks very much for that great introduction, James. Great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here, Tim. You know, to get us started here, Tim, and get the audience uh, understanding of you and a little bit of background, maybe just tell us how you got into consulting and uh, the type of work you do for your clients and the great value that it provides. Sure. I started in consulting because I really didn't know what I wanted to do after business school. So it was uh, my rugby coach at the time. They was working for one of the big firms and they needed a research associate. So I started there and basically worked my way up, became a senior consultant in another firm, and then realized that I needed to learn a little bit about what actually happens in business so that I could become a better advisor later on. My goal was always to get back into consulting after a business career. So I was fortunate to have terrific mentors early on and then learned some great things, was part of some wonderful teams and projects over the years. And now I brought that back to consulting. In terms of areas of focus, I'd say overall, let's look at it from a strategy perspective, from analysis to planning. But my primary focus, James, is really on the customer and the customer relationship with the company, and then making sure that the organization is aligned so that they can deliver what's needed for a terrific customer experience. Most of the work I do is with companies in that 10 to $50 million range, and it's across a wide variety of industries. The interesting thing is that probably 80 to 90% of what I see in one industry, I see in all the other ones too. So even though everybody has some special and unique perspective of operation, there's a lot of things that are very similar across the board. Very interesting, Tim. And, you know, I've read a lot of the articles that you've written and, and published, and we can talk about that during the course of this podcast, but it, it shines through in, in the examples you provide in those articles, and hopefully you'll be sharing some of those stories with us here today. Sure thing. 
ask away. Where are we starting? So when you talk about um, a customer experience, certainly people think that customer experience is customer service. And it's not. Uh, you know, you and I have had discussions on this in the past. So, you know, maybe if you could tell me a little bit about, you know, what what defines a positive customer experience and what is it that transcends customer service to create a customer experience? That's a terrific lead into a, obviously a much broader conversation that you and I have had over the years. I think quite simply, a positive customer experience is when the customer says, yes, thank you, when they get the solution from you. In terms of the support that was provided, the physical or, or um, service-related uh, solution that was provided for you, anything that you gave them to help them do their job better and to be more productive and to have a performance improvement at the end of the day. Really, the way you can do this as an organization from a delivery perspective is you need to understand your customer better and in a much deeper way than in the past. You know, one of the examples, uh, Professor Theodore Levitt was famous for talking about customers not wanting to buy a quarter-inch drill. They need that quarter-inch hole. Well, I'd like to suggest that it goes deeper than that. You need to understand what the use of that hole is. Is it to hold a picture? How big a picture? Is it for brackets to put up a shelf? Well, what's going on that shelf? Is it heavy stuff? You know, are you changing things around? What is the load that's going to happen? You know, there's all those kinds of questions that an organization needs to understand so that they can create overall a positive experience for a customer. And you bring up a really good point there, uh, Tim, is that understanding of the customer enables you to create this experience. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not a one-size-fits-all approach when you're looking at customer experience. Is that correct? You are correct. Ideally, companies from an efficiency standpoint want to try and deliver things on a seamless basis as consistently as possible on a regular time. Now, the challenge with that is that, as you just said, customers have different needs and requirements. So, Unless you're producing a commodity type item, let's consider that you're providing a solution that maybe is product related, maybe is service related. But as a result of that, there are nuances that each customer is going to require. Unless and until you understand those nuances, you're never going to be able to fully satisfy that customer. And yes, as you said earlier, customer service is only one part of it, but It's that whole experience that you're trying to provide. If I buy something from an organization and I get it and I go, yeah, okay, I'm not happy. And what does that mean? It means I'm going to look for another option. I want a different provider. I want a different solution. And I don't trust you to give it to me. So that relationship that you think might be very strong and built on a foundation of trust could be cracked. And unless you know more about it, and have a good relationship with that customer, you're never going to know enough about it to stop any problems in the future. And the biggest problem is, of course, customer leaving you and going somewhere else. Right, right on the mark, Tim. And one of the things that with providing a seamless experience for for the client uh, or a customer is doing it consistently and in a memorable and meaningful way. And that that's the real trick to this. So, you know, before we get into some of, you know, the positive and maybe some horror stories you've seen in customer experience. Is there any, you know, 
value, there is tremendous value of a, of a consultant coming in here, but what are some of the tools that you would use or some of the methods that you'd use to ensure that your clients and their organizations create this responsive, reliable service uh, opportunity that's consistent and that creates relationships with their customers? So is there any, you know, I'm sure you have a whole load of, of, of great tools, but perhaps anything you want to share with, with the audience here on some of the things that you do when you meet with a client or the steps that you take to ensure that they can provide an experience or maybe to understand some of the gaps from where they are currently and what they want to achieve in the future. I know it's a bit of a loaded question, but I'd love to hear your thought process on how you do this. Thanks. Yeah, it's a terrific question, James. One of the first things that I like to do is to determine the customer centricity within the organization itself. So before you would even consider looking at any external data about the customers themselves, there's a tool that I use from the good folks at Market Culture in the uh, Australia, and it's, uh, it's an MRI. You do an MRI on your business, a marketing resonance indicator that through the years has been refined and with 40 questions over eight areas, determines how customer-centric the organization is at the leadership level. And if you do the research, you can do it for your whole company if you want, and many large organizations have. But even at a leadership level, you know, it goes everywhere from, is the strategy of our company known across departments? Is there information that's shared across departments? Is there a consistent understanding of what the customer requires so that we can deliver it across departments? So you can see a theme there. You're looking for consistency and cohesion at the, at the top level of an organization, because if you want to change, if you want to do anything, it has to start with the leadership in the organization. You can do customer research. I would highly recommend use a renowned research company because they know how to ask the right questions. They know how to get the data from the customer. One of the biggest mistakes that I've seen people make over the years is, especially in things like you know new products or relaunches, you ask the customer, would you pay this much for this product? Oh, sure. And of course, it never comes to fruition. Why? Because we as human beings are unpredictable. Because we're unpredictable, the company says, oh my gosh, how do we look to make things predictable, but address this unpredictability and, and crazy behavior that customers can sometimes exhibit? So it's, it, that's why understanding how a customer uses your product or service to use in their job to come to some other solution, whether it's you know, an accounting person using software system, whether it's somebody using a product as an input to a, a finished product, whatever that situation might be, you need to understand that. One of the best ways to do it is to watch people use your product or service. Invite yourself in and observe. Close your mouth and observe. Build in time at the end of the shift or the day to ask questions to clarify things, but watch and listen with an open mind and close your mouth. Hear those, hear those real stories. See things for yourself. And that's going to give you terrific data so that you can say, okay, now we've got a good sense of where we are inside our organization. We have a better understanding of our customer and how they use our product or service. Now I've got to make sure that there's a link between the two of those. And that's where the real strategy happens to say, okay, within our objectives of, as an organization, what is our real 
strategy. What do we, what's the problem we're solving for ourselves that's going to help make our customers better? What's the opportunity that we see that we can take advantage of that's going to help our customers get better? The more we help our customers, the better our customers perform, the better off we are as an organization. The revenue comes that way, not by us forcing a solution and hoping that people are going to keep it for a longer period of time. So to summarize, James, those are a couple of the initial tools that I would use when you get into planning sessions and things like that. There's myriad other tools that I've used to ensure collaboration for one, but then to also ensure consistency. I think the final point I'd like to make is on this topic, if the employees in your organization understand how their job helps the customer do their job better, your employees will feel more aligned and understand the importance of their role in the overall customer experience that you're trying to achieve. This is great stuff, Tim. And there's so many things to unpack there, which is great. But one of the things I I will get to other things, but one of the things I want to you know, highlight here is so many of the um, the skill sets that you identified with you know creating a great customer experience overlap nicely with the skill sets required from a management consultant. Yeah, you know the objectivity, professionalism, um, change management. Because essentially, you know, taking an, an organization from where they are currently to meet the needs of what their clients are, it requires a greater uh, level of insight objectivity and a change, which is, you know, one of the key areas of the body of knowledge of a management consultant. And, and to, in order to have that be sustained over time, as you mentioned, to suit the needs of the organization, while at the same time ensuring that the employees buy in, believe in this, and they're the front line to interacting with the client uh, or the customer at most times is that they have to buy into this, feel it's co-created and then deliver on that. So, so many, so many great things here. And you can see why it's not as simple as picking up a book on teaching people to smile at the front lines or creating customer service. There's so much more to this and so much value that a management consultant or a certified management consultant can bring into this space that could have some real significant impacts for business performance. So I want to explore that a little bit further with you on, on what value a, a management consultant or a certified management consultant in particular has in creating um, you know, a positive and sustainable customer experience. You've touched on the models used a little bit, but many of the ways that you could actually take this you know, with your experience with your clients uh, on how you your skills and your experience and expertise as a management consultant have helped people with their customer experience. So maybe if you can tell us a little bit about that, and then I can ask you more questions as we go forward. Sure. I think one of the benefits of a certified management consultant, as you described, is regardless of our individual area of expertise, we look across the organization and the ability to look across the organization and understand the impacts. And this builds off of your comment about change management. Doing something in one area may have an impact on another area. And if we haven't identified what that other potential impact could be, We're not sure where the dominoes are going to fall once you make a change in one area. Here's an example. You're doing a market research uh, study to find out what the market size is like of a new area that you want to get to in Europe as a Canadian manufacturer. As a consultant, you go through and you do all of the research assessment and all of the other pieces to say, 
boy, this is a terrific market opportunity. You should do this. Your client, the chief marketing officer says, what a great idea. That's what we needed to know. We got sales aligned, away we go. Then suddenly you have a sit down with your management team and you're presenting your plan and production says, we can't make enough of those. We're, we're tapped out on where we are right now. We don't have excess capacity. So if you guys go out and get all of this new market demand, how the heck are we ever going to make sure we can get there? You know, things we're going through in these last couple of years with supply chain, the, the problem exacerbates itself. So understanding what's going to happen. The next question from our operations is, well, if we need to run two shifts, where are we going to get the extra people from? How fast can we train everybody and get them ready? Then you say to the salespeople, shoot, we've never sold anything in Europe before. Do we understand the nuances of how people buy over there? Do we understand the nuances of some cultural differences and unique things? Uh, is, you know, is our labeling going to make sense to people? Are there language and interpretation challenges that we have? So when you start to look at all of those potential pieces, a certified management consultant will look across the organization and say, instead of the description I gave you of, here's our plan, you guys just go sell. They would say, listen, if you want to take advantage of this opportunity, here are the other areas within the organization that need to be on side. If you don't have check marks beside this list, don't do the project because you will not make it successful. Right. And that is such great insight because there's a cause and effect in all of this. And just as the the customer is dynamic and their needs are changing and their expectations are changing, there's this need and change and expectation within an organization. So it's quite, if not done properly and systematically, it can become unwieldy in a hurry. And if you have blind spots to this, it could be, be quite, excuse me, it could be quite costly as well. Is that correct? Absolutely. There's a great phrase that I learned a number of years ago when I was taking a, a comprehensive uh, business assessment course. And the instructor said, you know, you can't read the bottle. Sorry, you can't read the label when you're inside the bottle. And it's so true. And so that's the other benefit that the objectivity of a CMC brings to an engagement is that we find things, we get to ask tougher questions because we're not part of that day-to-day we get to ask those other tough questions that might be floating around in people's minds, but we ask them so that everybody can get the information out, that the information can be discussed, the information can be assessed, and then the plan can be coordinated so that everybody's on side. If in an organization, the employees see that there is infighting between the senior leadership team, if there is disagreement outwardly, if people don't like each other, The employees pick up on that. And as a result, you could create a really negative environment in that organization. Say what you want. And yes, we all read the books and we all read these wonderful, encouraging phrases and stories and things like that. Would it be nice to have every organization in the world operate in that nice, positive way? Sure. Reality is it doesn't for lots of other reasons. Sometimes it's people. Many times it's the ego of the leadership. It's up to a really good CMC to manage that process, help the leadership team understand how they structure and how they guide the rest of the company, and that people will look at them and follow. You can be human. We don't expect our senior leaders to be 
subhuman anymore. The world is complex. Business is complex. So many other factors are going around. These last two years have, have created all sorts of challenges for, for different leaders. And the ability to come through this in a positive way with your teams throughout your organization, a good CMC is going to help you see those things. A good CMC is going to guide you through there, through coaching, through consistency, through tools that are going to help you as an organization succeed into the future. It's all about being better tomorrow than you are today. Such a great um, statement, uh, Tim, there. And to, and to build on that, you know, when you mentioned that, you know, the humanizing the experience, there's a real balance here between, uh, you know, balancing empathy for the client or the customer, the employee, and essentially the brand of the organization. What's the purpose and what, you know, what's their value proposition on that, as well as con- considering how this can be applied consistently, efficiently, and effectively through that. And one of the things you mentioned that really triggered me there was information sharing. Now, of course, technology certainly has an impact on the flow of information, the speed of information, quality of data. We look at a lot of things uh, happening that are very progressive with artificial intelligence without getting into a whole lot of detail on that. Perhaps if you could share with us how technology and new technology has impacted consultants' work in the space of customer experience and architecting that customer experience within organizations. Certainly, James. The challenge for organizations typically is not a lack of data. It's an inability to mine the data for the most salient pieces that can be used to construct the right strategy going forward. In one case, working with a client, a simple exercise of listing their top clients by revenue was as much as the organization had ever done to understand how important certain clients were. And they realized that, you know, less than 20% of their client base gave them almost 90% of their revenue. So a simple next breakdown was, okay, out of the list of potential service lines that are available, How many does each of these clients have? It identified a vast white space of opportunity for the sales team to learn more about the client and find out if some of those untapped areas would in fact be good solutions that the customer probably just wasn't even aware of because they'd been so focused on a couple of things. So it's you're you're drowning in data and starved for insight. You've got so much, but what do we do with it? And so it's, it's finding out what to do. You talked a little bit about accuracy of data. One of the challenges uh, with a client of mine that uh, their solution is working to help ensure that golden records of customers are accurate. And they have a tool that combines all of the different databases, creates an overview that says, you know, Tim Kist equals Timothy Kist equals Tim W and other iterations like that with my phone number and birth date, et cetera. So that if I was to come in again, they would know that, hey, probably this is the same Tim Kist as the other Tim Kist that we have on file. No need to create a new file. But now we also have a full picture of everything that Tim has for me. Think of a banking situation. You've got personal lines of credit, you've got savings accounts, checking accounts, you may have a mortgage, you may have some 
financial instruments that you have there through RRSPs, RRIFs, et cetera. There's a variety of things you may have. Typically in banks, those systems are separate and do not talk easily. And it's a pain for bankers to collect that information and paint a really good picture. Part of the problem in organizations is they don't offer enough time for employees to think about and give them an analysis time so that, in this case, the bank manager would be able to look and say, I need to spend about half an hour prior to Tim coming in so I truly understand what has changed in his financial portfolio. Where's his mortgage at? How much of his savings grown or shrunk? What else is happening? Does he have other family members that bank with us at this institution? You know, is this his spouse involved? Uh, what about the kids? You know, all those other factors. When you have that kind of data, now I can have an interesting conversation with the individual customer. As a CMC, you're going in there saying, you guys need to consolidate this. You need to be able to paint a more holistic picture of your customers so that you can provide better service for them. So technology certainly is there. Many companies choose not to use it. And then it's the time factor. You know, if people are on commissions, it's how many can I churn through? Because that's what I got to get to. There are still organizations that would be in that. We need more. We've got to crank out that mill. We need more customer contacts. If we have more customer contacts, we're going to have more sales. You're not spending the time to really understand your customer. Back to the first part of our conversation, James, we don't have, in many cases, people given the opportunity to really understand the customer, the needs, and then create the solution. A CMC objectively can stand back and say, and here's how you can do that. Here's a solution. I can help you implement it as well, too, because it's typically not just installing some technology. There's process. And as you referred to earlier, overall change management that's going to happen as well. Right. No, absolutely, Tim. That's, that's you're right on the mark there. And, you know, one of the things that resonated with me, what you just said is the, the amount of data and coming through in an omnichannel experience because customers are coming in from online, in person, you know, through social media channels and that type of thing. What's critical here is you have all, you know, a lot of information Quite often, what you don't need is more, you know, more information or more answers. You need to distill that to be able to ask the right questions or the right next question for that. And it seems like, and based on my experience, and you and I have talked about this before in the past too, is that that's where it stalls. Is that there's a lot of information, but there's not one person who, uh, you know, the leaders in these organizations can defer to to distill this information. I think that's where a management consultant comes in, certified management consultant in particular, is where they can come in and ask the right questions to make sure that the information is aligned in a way that gets to the heart of the empathy of what you know the, the client or the customer wants, and then is aligned with the capabilities and the capacity and the competency of what the organization can deliver. So we're not going at it in fits and starts to say, oh, we're going to chase after this. But if you can't you know, ensure that there's a seamless delivery of that three months from now, it's all for naught. So I think, you know, to summarize here, and it's like your thoughts on this, is that what you do in your role in helping companies with customer experience, I know you do a lot of great work here, and we'll talk about some of the stories here in a second, is that you ask the right questions so that they can 
think about this from the lens of customer experience and and take that data and apply it. Is that does that summarize it correctly? That that's a huge piece of it for sure, James. Think of it another way. It's it's great to analyze customer financial statements and find out where they're strong, where they're weak, etc. But remember, it was some level of customer action, a purchase of some type that started the whole process and is the reason that that company exists. Somebody bought a product or service and money came into the company. And as a result of that money coming in, the company has a responsibility and a structure to deliver the value back for that customer. So that's again where I take that focus on the individual customer and say, understanding them more helps me then put a face to the data that we have. And to your point, by asking the right questions, by uh, you know, sometimes asking the questions that are in people's minds that nobody else wants to ask, when a client says to you, hmm, no one ever asked me that before, that's when you know that they are inquisitive and ready and willing to learn and find out more about how they can improve their customer-focused operations. And it's that ability to coordinate that collection of thoughts and then have the discussion with the leadership of the organization and then translating that into operational aspects throughout the company. So the people on the front line don't get the senior level gobbledygook stuff. They get something that's practical that they can apply. How does my job help the customer have a better experience with us? Could be through the accounting side. Have you ever looked at some of the um, late payment notices that come through? Oh my gosh, it's like you're asking for my firstborn child or something. People in accounting that draft those and craft those and put them on invoices and late payment things need to think of how has that wording potentially impacted a customer relationship? Maybe something happened at the customer that if I don't take a little bit of initiative to try and learn about, I wouldn't know that they had a big fire that caused the problem and they weren't able to sell some products because they were destroyed in the fire. That lack of uh, ability to sell has had a ripple effect and I wasn't able to pay my invoice on time. Instead of sending that nasty note, somebody in accounting needs to have learned and maybe it's in the file, maybe it's electronically, or maybe it's the salesperson sending a note to, hey, Tim in accounting, please don't send that reminder notice. Here's what's happened to the client. We're just help, we're allowing them to get back on their feet again before we start asking them for more money. So it's understanding the nuances of those little situations that can help you create an overall better experience for your customers. But it also helps your employees understand it's not just a sausage mill. We are dealing with people, so we need to take care of people in that regard. Right. You know, great point here, Tim, is that a great customer experience or a customer experience-oriented organization actually impacts the culture of the organization. Therefore, it's a strategic imperative for them to see through this lens to say, hey, is what we're doing aligned with our purpose? And what we have is our vision to take care of the customer, right? So, you know, in our in our discussion here, it's really built on this is that if it's seen as an ad hoc 
event or as customer service, that doesn't cut it. It has to be woven into the cultural fabric of the organization to say, this is how we, everything we do and touch and create builds the brand of a great experience. Branding isn't our logo. Branding isn't a slogan. It's actually the way we do things around here. Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. Let me give you a a little summary piece here. Here's a a little exercise that you might want to do as an organization. Take your mission statement, take out the name of your company if it's in there, and look at your top competitors and get their mission statements. Take their names out too. Read through each of them and find out. I bet you in most cases, you could substitute the names of the companies because everybody sounds the same. So from a positioning perspective, when you're in a competitive industry, you need to answer a fundamental positioning question, which is, if not us, then who? Question that I asked a client at one point <clears throat> after going through part of that exercise was, if we closed our doors today, where would our customers go? The president answered across the street to our competitors. I said, what's stopping them from doing that today? It's a wonderful way to start the process of going, gosh, we need to understand what we do really well. And we need to understand, does our customer see that as well? So it's not just an inside out approach, but we need to engage our customers and find outside in the pieces that they value so that we can ensure what we're delivering on is exactly what the customer values and needs. Right. And, you know, Tim, what's interesting about this is that what you're speaking of here is true across a variety of industries, geographies, and also business to business, B2B business, you know, uh, organizations and business to customer as well, or business to consumer. A lot of the times people believe the customer experience is, you know, just for the entertainment industry or the service industry. But as you mentioned with, you know, the logistics and invoicing and that type of thing, those things are very important for B2B and quite frankly, internally within an organization as well. So if you have a strong uh, customer experience imperative or, or orientation outward, it's also important to have that same lens inwardly. So accounting is talking to HR you know, through the lens of a great customer experience because internally those are your customers as well. Uh, maybe if you could elaborate a little bit on that and on how it's not just about serving the person across the till from you, or maybe the person who's purchasing something online, it could be providing that great level of experience to someone who's buying your products for resale or dealing within divisions of a company or strategic business units as well. So perhaps, you know, just to to build on that a little bit, love to get your uh, your thoughts and insights on that. Certainly, James. So when I teach strategy and marketing at the University of Winnipeg, I have put up a slide and I put an X through B to C and an X through B to B, and I use P to P, person to person. I haven't found a situation where a business physically buys from another business. There's a person generating some activity, pressing a button, phoning the sales rep, et cetera, that's causing that. So getting back to this human connection piece, That's an important component of, as you said, understanding the relationship that you have with your colleagues. They're not just, air quotes, the accounting people or the IT group. They're real people over there. And 
just as I don't want anybody to tell me how to do strategy and marketing, they don't want me to come in and tell them how to do accounting or, or IT. But there needs to be a mutual respect so that everybody understands the importance of their role towards the ultimate goal. And one way you can do that is you have in a management meeting, so you get people from each of the departments around the table, put a different colored chair and leave it empty and say, that's where our customer sits. Your discussion then on any of the topics at that management meeting suddenly becomes centered around, is the decision that we're doing this system upgrade or accounting package change or bill design layout change, are all those little things actually beneficial for the customer? Or is it a project that somebody's created internally because it's going to make our lives easier? If it makes our lives easier internally, but makes it harder for the customer, that's just not a good solution. Conversely, there's nothing worse for people than, you know, IT perhaps, accounting and, and production, for salespeople to come in or marketing people to have a new product idea and say, hey, we just sold 100 of these units. And having the folks in, in engineering say, I can't build that. Well, you have to. I sold it. And it's making sure that you've got cohesion in that. So rather than sales committing to something, they come back and say, product design, engineering, marketing, we need to sit down and figure out, can we do this? And if we can, how long is it going to take to get done? When can I tell people that they can expect this particular product to be available? And if not, is it a no for now or is it a no forever? And then you ask the broader question, senior level, C-level people should be asking, if we don't do this, is there any kind of a long-term negative positioning impact where our customers are going to look for that somewhere else? Do we have one month, one year, 10 years? What's going on there? And that just starts to frame a broader outside in and inside out assessment of the customer, the relationship externally with the customer and internally with all of the customer groups that come together to form the organization. Right. Such good information, Tim. And, you know, one of the questions I like to ask my clients, and I'm sure you do the same is what does success look like to you and how do we measure what matters? So in other words, you know, if there's an outcome of this that, you know, is the desired outcome for you. What does success look like and how do we measure that? So maybe if you could briefly talk to us about some key performance indicators uh, when it comes to measuring customer experience, what, what would that look like and how does that resonate with people who are delivering, leading and receiving the service? Sure. So we typically have some kind of a mix of lagging indicators like sales revenue, which is something that's been done in the past, past actions, new product launches, adjustments, things like that. Leading factors would be leads, pending deals, that sort of thing. So it starts, as we collect that data, we can paint a pretty good picture of what our operating environment is like and, and how our customers are interacting. We then need to look very carefully at trends in customer purchases. So do we have people that would buy our product or service on a consistent volume basis? over a consistent period of time, or do things fluctuate? And I know that's kind of general, James, but it's a situation where you need to understand what that frequency and volume is going to look like so that it can lead to, do we run the risk of losing these customers to a competitor 
why are some buying at a regular frequency and others not? So it starts to beg that question. And again, a good CMC would help you understand how to do that analysis, what that analysis means, and what else it might point to in terms of the relationship that you have with your customer. So you're looking at a variety of different initial assessment criteria, KPIs, and then as you start to get deeper into your analysis, you may find other pieces that are really important to helping you paint a better picture of your customer revenue stream, the level of customer interaction, which ultimately leads to do all of these things come together to create a positive customer experience or do we have gaps? If we don't offer all of the solutions that we can to a customer, that's a bad customer experience. If we don't offer the right kinds of, you know, if we're not proactively looking at things and saying, hey, listen, if you bought 5% more, you would be at the next tier and get some pricing advantages. If you aren't looking at those types of components, I don't think that you're creating the best customer experience because someone else is going to come in and talk to that customer and describe that solution to them. And suddenly you have no customer. Right. And, you know, there's a balance here, which makes customer experience so dynamic is the science of design matched with the art of delivery that creates this. So you got to have a, a scorecard or a benchmark for people to understand the quantitative side of this, but at the same time, massage this, so you qualitatively can you know, provide that empathy and that delivery of these touch points. So then it feeds, it's, it's holistic, right? It, it one feeds the other. So, you know, how well it's designed eases the delivery, which then improves performance, which then improves sales, the bottom line or efficiencies and that type of thing. That's why, you know, this is such a great topic and, and so interesting here. Before we wrap up, Tim, just a couple of things that, you know, everybody loves to hear a great success story. Uh, and a horror story, of course. So based on your experience, and you, I'm sure you have a lot of, uh, of experience and, and stories to draw from here, but maybe we'll start with a positive here, a success story from a client, and then uh, perhaps with a, a light uh, horror story if you've had with customer experience. Sure. The success story is, is an interesting one. It actually deals with sales training. So we're doing sales training for a variety of, uh, well, in fact, for all of the outside sales reps. And after one of the sessions, one of the very successful reps here in Manitoba said that he was concerned because he did a lot of his business with the Hutterite colonies. And apparently they are real drivers of trying to get the lowest price possible. And he said, man, you know, I'm scared. I know this new approach makes a lot of sense, et cetera, learning more about the customer, but I, I'm, I'm worried about this. As we started talking about it, I asked him different questions related to, so did they need all of their purchases at the same time? Can we inventory some of them? What are the delivery times of the day that best suit them? Can we get our truck there first thing in the morning or are they a late in the day's guy? We started to work through a number of these individual component parts. He realized it wasn't all about price. There were so many other factors that were important. And the most fascinating piece at the end of it was, as we worked through these things, he ended up with one of the highest gross margin percentages as a salesperson in the entire company. But it was because he focused beyond just price 
He was looking at what is really important to the customer and built his sales approach on that. And the organization said, that's terrific. We can do that. We can support you. Look at, we are all successful. Customers happy, sales reps happy, the company's happy. It doesn't work any better than that. In terms of a horror story, one example would be a real good friend of mine was moving from Edmonton down to Calgary. And he was in a situation where he wanted to move his bank uh, information to a local branch. Well, what happened was he had years earlier opened a no-fee account initially because it only needed a $1,000 balance. That minimum fee kept increasing to the point where now suddenly the bank says you need a $5,000 minimum for an everyday account just to not pay any fees. When he spoke to the manager about waiving the fees because he said, I don't need 5K in this account, but I sure like the fact that when I signed up, it was no fees. Manager said flat out no. So what my friend did, he found a credit union with a better no-fee account. He moved all of his finances to the credit union. Hundreds of thousands of dollars lost to the bank over a couple of dollars per month. Why did the bank manager make that decision? And it's unfortunate that it's probably never going to be assessed anywhere, but it's because it's inside out thinking. The bank manager was told, here's the rules of the game. You cannot deviate on this. Basically, the bank says, we don't trust you as the bank manager to make a decision on that. We've got a better corporate response. We've done the deal. We've looked at all the numbers. And this is the way that we have to be. And the challenge is that, you know, it's not just poor staff implementation often that is the problem with a lousy customer experience. So often, the area that's tied together with that, James, is bad policy. And bad policy is often created by C-suite people that forgot about their frontline days. Or in some cases, they never had a frontline day in any kind of industry. So they don't know what it's like to put a person in a situation where you've got to say no and you've got to try and support really lousy company policies and you lose that customer business. So tying those things together, there's a terrific book by uh, Martin Lidstrom. It's called The Ministry of Common Sense. And he has, over his consulting career, looked at a variety of companies and found that that corporate red tape and bureaucracy is a killer of delivering a positive customer experience. And I would have to agree with him. Right. And, you you know, great, great information there, Tim, and, and insights. And you can see how the ripple effect of a bad experience will lead to customer defection, lack of loyalty, employee defection, and then the snowball going downhill where companies just have to shutter their doors because they they didn't, weren't keeping their eye on the customer and paying attention there. So in closing here, Tim, before I uh, ask you how people can get in touch with you, maybe just one or two tidbits of advice for clients, fellow clients, consultants, aspiring consultants, or the market in general on customer experience. Sure. Be customer-centric first. And then make sure that you're employee-centric so your people know how to deliver what the customer expects and that you support them in that customer success model. Stop putting dumb processes in place just because you think that they might be good for business. You need to look at things through a different lens. And that lens is 
for the customer. Now, we know that customers aren't always right, but customers are always the customer. And so from that lens, whether you're providing a service or a product to a customer, whether you're advising a company that is providing that to somebody else, think customer first, think outside in, and then make sure inside you're aligned. Simple equation, but it's a great recipe for success. It's such great information here, Tim. And I think that, you know, there's a lot we can address here and perhaps have you back again, if you're interested in a future, your expert advantage uh, podcast. I think I'd love to continue the dialogue there, but we'll leave it there today. And before I let you go, Tim, thanks so much for your time. Um, how can folks get in touch with you if they want to learn more about uh, customer experience, uh, your methodology of doing this or engaging your services? Sure. Thank you, James. It's The website is tk3consulting.ca. Contact information is there uh, quite easily. It's tim at tk3consulting.ca or by phone. Yes, I still answer my phone. 204-792-1559. Excellent. Thanks, Tim. And just to clarify, it's tk3, the number three, consulting.ca. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Thanks so much for your time, Tim. This has been fabulous and look forward to seeing more of your great work and reading more of your great articles uh, on customer experience in the future. Thank you for the opportunity. Terrific conversation, James. Thank you for listening to the CMC podcast, Your Expert Advantage, brought to you by CMC Canada. CMC Canada administers and its provincial institutes confer the Certified Management Consultant designation in Canada. And the Certified Management Consultant designation is the profession's only international certification recognized in over 40 countries. If you want to learn more about what it takes to earn your CMC and all the benefits that come along with joining CMC Canada, please visit our website, cmc-canada.ca. If you're a fan of the show, tell someone about us or leave us a rating in the Apple Podcast Store or on Spotify. Thanks to all of you for listening and see you next time.